So, so we will start uh, Canto Five. This is Chapter Two. Last time we had done the Chapter One in which the activities of Maharaj Priyavrata was there. So this time, what we are going to do is the chapter which is based on Maharaj Priyavrata's son. All right, his name is Agnidhara. So we will do his chapter. That that's why the chapter is called the activities of Maharaj Agnidhara. All right. Shri Sukdev Goswami continued. After his father, Maharaj Priyavrata departed to follow the path of spiritual life by undergoing austerities. King Agnidhara completely obeyed his order. Strictly observing the principles of religion, he gave full protection to the inhabitants of Jambudvipa as if they were his own begotten sons. Desiring to get a perfect son and become an inhabitant of Pitraloka, Maharaj Agnidhara once worshipped Lord Brahma, the master of those in charge of material creation. He went to a valley of Mandara Hill where the damsels of the heavenly planet come down to stroll. There he collected garden flowers and other necessary paraphernalia and then engaged in severe austerities and worship. Imagine there they used to have earlier a Mandara hill and there the damsels of the heavenly planet will come. Today you want, you have to go to commercial street or brigade road. (laughs) Doesn't it sound very funny? Actually, in, in every place, you know, on planet Earth, it's a, it's a very important locations where people come. They come in a large quantity out to meet others. The reason being, we have meeting places, like in villages we have the center of the town where the town council will meet. Every town has a town council place, okay? It's a, it's a central location. And then there are places where they used to have plays. There is a playhouse and there is, there is a stage place also. Okay, where is Jambudvipa? Okay, I'll tell you. Now, where there is this kind of a location, you know, where you will have plays, people come for uh, watching something. Uh, the Coliseum in, uh, in Europe was, is such a type of a place. Then there used to be a place where they had various kinds of sports activities. Then they had places where the religious practices used to be there. So there were large religious places like churches and temples and so on and so forth. And this is how the, the township or the ancient township used to develop. It was around different different locations. Even in Mohenjadaro and Harappa, similar type of a theme scene was there. You will find that even in South America and Central America, similar type of a scene is there where there are very large temple complexes. They are called temple complexes because the complex was divided into multiple locations. You know, at one place there was offering, at one place there was a central chamber, at one place there there would be people who would be sitting and uh, you know observing a certain type of rituals, so on and so forth. Even if you go to Tirupati today. You will find that just when you enter on the left hand side, there is a place where the dancing used to happen, you know. The king and his retinue would sit round over there and, and if you observe the columns over there, the columns will depict what that place is actually good for. 
<coughs> so this is how you will find okay now uh, guru has asked one question where is jambudvipa jambudvipa is yes uh, it's a it's a mythical place okay mythical place yet it exists all right jambudvipa there were various islands earlier there our earth consisted of seven different islands all right now these were basically continents which we talk about today there was a continental drift and then the whole thing came together and they collapsed against each other and part of africa broke off and then it joined into the asia <coughs> all this is there hmm? the portion called himalayas got developed much later when the portion from south came and dashed against it and raised the mountains this is basically what is history or what we can say ancient history where it has happened so the seven islands were there we we used to they used to call them seven island that's why jambudvipa was the largest island which was based in central asia okay central asia it's a central asia was that place today even if you go towards northern you know <coughs> northern portions of india go towards say china and the lower portions of china and russia and all you will still find remnants of our ancient culture still existing over there the portion which came and joined the larger portion became a very big continent that's why we call it the indian subcontinent extending right up to the eastern that is east coast basically it will go right up to vietnam and all those places will also come under that vietnam cambodia laos all those regions also come now the king of jambudvipa that means there used to be somebody who was ruling again if you go back in time during the time of noah and his children you will find that each child went out and created his own empire huh? and uh, you will find that this is how it actually began he became the clansman like clan there there was a clan which got developed over there africa was one large clan where huge place again there was one in central europe one in asia like that so there were different different clans developed and they all became the king now king is uh, like you can you can rule a particular piece of land with the power or the strength that you have been given so in the same way what happened <coughs> this particular place see why they are saying mandara hill meru if you go back in time you will find that these existed today in today's day and age the place do not exist all right the names are not there relevant today but if you go back in time you will still find that place still existing over there all right so we will continue there he collected garden flowers and other necessary paraphernalia and engaged in severe austerities and worship understanding king agnidhara's desire the first and the most powerful created being on this universe that is lord brahma selected the best of the dancing girls in this assembly whose name was purvachitti and sent her to the king so purvachitti <coughs> i will want to know about all this we will come to the end of the chapter and then 
revelation you know <laughs> the revelation is always at the end of the bible by the way <laughs> so we will come to the revelation at the end sometimes so just now we will just go on with the story the apsara sent by lord brahma began strolling in a beautiful park near the place where the king was meditating and worshiping the park was beautiful because of its dense green foliage and golden creepers there were pair of varied birds such as peacocks in a lake there were ducks and swans all vibrating very sweet sounds thus the park was magnificently beautiful because of the foliage the clear water and the lotus flowers and the singing sweet singing of the various kinds of birds as purvachitti passed on by on the road in a very beautiful style and mood of her own the pleasing ornaments of her ankles tinkled with every step although prince agnidhara was controlling his senses practicing yoga with half open eyes he would see her with his lotus like eyes and when he heard the sweet tinkling of the bangles he opened his eyes slightly more and could see that she was just nearby so this is like a you know you are throwing a hook <laughs> over there so now he is going to get entrapment what do you say so let us see what happens like a honey bee the apsara smelled the beautiful and attractive flowers she could attract the minds and visions of both humans and demigods by her playful movements her shyness and humility her glances the very pleasing sounds that poured out from her mouth as she spoke and the motions of her limbs i think our our ancient people you know knew all these sounds and dance and all that so they, that is why our hindi pictures and all the indian pictures have a lot of song and dance thing like if you want to entrap somebody chalo song and dance karega ek jhad bhi hoega mor hoega ye hoega <laughs> it's a very beautiful scene i think you can, we can all visualize it and in today's day and age also it is valid because <clears throat> we do that right when she spoke nectar seemed to uh, yeah okay by all these qualities she opened for cupid who bears an aura of arrow of flowers a path of oral reception into the minds of men when she spoke nectar seemed to flow from her mouth as she breathed the bees mad from the taste of her breath tried to hover about her beautiful lotus like eyes disturbed by the bees she tried to move hastily but as she raised her feet to walk quickly her hair the belt on her hips and her breasts which were like water jugs also moved in a way that made her extremely beautiful and attractive indeed she seemed to be making a path for the entrance of cupid who is most powerful therefore the prince completely subdued by seeing her spoke to her as follows every story has to have an heroine so we'll see what happens now the prince mistakenly addressed the apsara oh best of saintly persons who are you why are you here on this hill and why do you want what do you want to do are you one of those illusory potencies of the supreme personality of godhead you seem to be carrying two bows without strings what is the reason you carry these bows is it for some purpose of your own or for the sake of a friend perhaps you carry them to kill the mad animals in the forest mad animals only one one mad animal is there in front of her now he is going to get killed isn't it seeing the bumblebees following purvachitti maharaj agnidhara said my dear lord 
the bumblebees surrounding your body are like disciples surrounding your worshipable self. They are incessantly chanting the mantra of the Samved and the Upanishads, thus offering prayer to you. Just as the great sages resort to the branches of the Vedic literature, the bumblebees are enjoying the shower of flowers falling from your hair. O Brahmana, I can simply hear the tinkling of your ankle bells. Within those bells, Tithiri birds seem to be chirping among themselves. Although I do not see their form, I can hear how they are chirping. When I look at your beautiful circular hips, I see that they are lovely colored of kadamba flowers and your waist is encircled by a belt of burning cinders. Indeed, you seem to have forgotten to dress yourself. And this is getting more into what, what kind of a literature, huh? <laughs> no, 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 don't go into all that thing. You'll <laughs> oh, did I miss one verse? Okay, there's some verse that I missed out. Okay, let me go back to that verse. Then Agnidara observed the glancing eyes of Purvachitti and said, My dear friend, you have two powerful arrows, namely your glancing eyes. Those arrows have feathered like the petals of a lotus flower. Although they have no shafts, they are very beautiful. And they have very sharp piercing points. They appear very peaceful and thus it seems that they will not be shot at anyone. You must be loitering in this forest to shoot those arrows at someone. But I cannot understand whom. My intelligence is dull and I cannot combat you. Indeed, no one can equal you in prowess and therefore I pray that your prowess will be for my good fortune. <coughs> so we did the next one. But yet I will do that. Seeing the bumblebees following Purvachitti, Maharaj Agnidara said, My dear Lord, the bumblebees surrounding your body are like disciples surrounding your worshipable self. They are incessantly chanting the mantras of the Samved and the Upanishads, thus offering prayers to you. Just as great sages resort to the branch of Vedic literature, the bumblebees are enjoying the shower of flowers falling from your hair. O Brahmana, I can simply hear the tinkling of your ankle bells. Within those bells, the three birds seem to be chirping among themselves, although I <clears throat> do not see their forms. I can hear how they are chirping. When I look at your beautiful circular hips, I see they are lovely colours of kadamba flowers and your waist is encircled by a belt of burning cinders. Indeed, you seem to have forgotten to dress yourself. Agnidara then praised Purvachitti's raised breast. He said, My dear Brahmana, your waist, <coughs> my, your waist is very thin, yet with great difficulty you are carefully arranging two horns on which my eyes have become attracted. What is filling those two beautiful horns? You seem to have spread fragrant red flower powder upon them. Powder that is like the raising morning sun. Oh most fortunate one, I beg to inquire where you have gotten that fragrant powder that is perfuming my ashrama, my place of residence. Oh best friend, will you kindly show me the place where you reside? I cannot imagine how the resident of that place have gotten such wonderful bodily features as your raised breasts which agitate the mind and the eyes of a person like me who seen them. Judging by the sweet speech and kindly smiles of these residents, I think that their mouths must contain nectar. My dear friend, why, what do you eat to maintain your body? Because you are chewing beetle, a pleasing scent is emanating from your mouth. This proves that you always eat the remnants of the food offered to Vishnu. Indeed, you must also be expansion of Lord Vishnu's body. Your face is as beautiful as the pleasing lake. Your jeweled earrings resemble two brilliant sharks with unblinking eyes like those of Vishnu 
and your own eyes resemble two restless fishes. Simultaneously, though two sharks and two restless fish are swimming in the lake of your face, besides them the white arrows of your teeth seem like a rose of a very beautiful swan in the water, and your scattered hair resembles swarms of bumblebees following the beauty of your face. <coughs> My mind is already restless, and by playing with the ball, moving it up, all about with your lotus-like palm, you are also agitating my eyes. Your curling black hair is now scattered, but you are not attentive to arranging it. Are you not going to arrange it? Like a man attached to woman, the most cunning wind is trying to take off your lower garment. Are you not mindful of it? So, only those who are above 18 are supposed to stay around. The rest of them can please go away. <laughs> This sounds like some uh, MNB you know, story or something like that, isn't it? <laughs> okay, it is because, see, most of our literature, in the past literature for that matter, had these beautiful nuances which, uh, which uh, you know, we have never explored in our normal world. That we have to do this because there is a lot of deeper meanings to it. We shall arrive at the meaning later on, but... Right now we can go through and listen to all these things, alright? Best among those performing austerities, where did you get this wonderful beauty that dismantles the austerities performed by others? Where have you learned this art? What austerity have you undergone to achieve this beauty, my dear friend? I desire that you join me to perform austerity and penance, for it might be the creator of the universe, Lord Brahma, being pleased with me, has sent you to become my wife. Lord Brahma, who is worshipped by the Brahmanas, has very mercifully given you to me, and that is why I have met you. I do not want to give up your company, for my mind and eyes are fixed upon you and cannot be drawn away. O woman with beautiful raised breasts, I am your follower. You may take me wherever you like and your friends may also follow me. <coughs> Subdev Goswami continued, Maharaj Agnidhara, whose intelligence was like that of a demigod, knew the art of flattering women to win them to his side. He therefore pleased the celestial girl with his lusty words and gained her favor. Attracted by the intelligence, learning youth, youth, Beauty, behavior, opulence and magnanimity of Agnidhara, the king of Jambudvipa and the master of all the heroes. Purvachitti lived with him for many thousands of years and luxuriously enjoyed both worldly and heavenly happiness. In the womb of Purvachitti, Maharaj Agnidhara, the best of the kings, begot nine sons, namely Nabhi, Kimpurusha, Harivarsha, Ilvarta, Ramayaka, Hiranyamaya, Kuru, Badravsa, and Ketumala. Purvachitti gave birth to these nine sons, one each year, but after they grew up, she left them at home and again approached Lord Brahma to worship him. So when we talk about, you know, in today's day and age, people, after they have children, they give away for adoption. It's a very, very great thing in the United States, you know. During the 60s, 50s, 60s and all that, the lots of children were born during that time and they were, the girls were very young, you know, 16 and 17, so so that there is no impediment in their life. They used to give it away for adoption purposes. 
there was one very beautiful film also which had come recently i think uh, four 3 4 years ago called juno i don't know who i have seen it it's a very beautiful film so the child is given up for adoption purposes here also we will find that if you go back in time it's the same thing which is happening even then so there is nothing new because of drinking the breast milk of their mother the nine sons of agnidhara naturally had strong well built bodies the father gave them each a kingdom in a different part of jambudvipa the kingdoms were named according to the names of their son thus the sons of agnidhara ruled the kingdoms they received from their father after purvachitti's departure king agnidhara thus his lusty desires not at all satisfied always thought of her therefore in accordance with the vedic injunctions the king after his death was promoted to the same planet as his celestial wife that planet which is called pitralok is where the pitas the forefathers live in great delight after the departure of their father the nine brothers married the nine daughters of meru named meru devi pratirupa ugradamastri lata ramya shyama nari bhadra and the devavati this ends chapter 2 from the fifth canto called the activities of maharaj agnidhara maharaj agnidhara was the son of priyavrata so we shall continue with the next chapter now why are we introducing all these people it's because it is like a tracing down the lineage we have to trace it down to the place where it actually began and why did it begin it began because see every time when you have asked me one question the question is why this life i mean what is the need for us to have this life at all now think about it we there always has to be something which has happened in the past every person though he may be austere during the first yuga everybody was very very austere very very godly like you know they were literally they knew the vedas and the shastras literally by heart they knew it and they could follow the satvik path perfectly they were sages then something happened what is it that happened that which happened starts with the word called lust and then greed comes into the picture first is lust and then is greed if you go back even to the mahabharata you will find that first is lust and then is greed so even during the ancient times see how does greed come into the picture when there are more people at play greed comes into play you have to then split up the things isn't it now if there is one child only you give everything to that child and everything finishes off there itself now if there are 2 3 4 5 8 9 10 and all those children what do you do then you have to divide the kingdom properly so then they have their families their wife their children and further divisions happen then further divisions happen then somebody in that legion will definitely stay back oh this person got so much i didn't get so much though i am the heir in that throne so the, it is always going to be a fight to the finish for the greed but it always begins with the thing called lust in this chapter 
we are beginning something which is the future of the stories so we have to take it back in time to where it actually began all right so the sage is losing his cool and he goes about in the material world seeking for something which is not required at that point in time so agnidhara finds this damsel now who is the perpetrator think about it the perpetrator over here is brahma ji brahma ji has introduced this person this character from his own domain brahma ji's job is what his job is procreation and the expansion of this universe isn't it how do you expand it you expand it by means of introducing such type of newer pastimes and that is the reason why he has taken one particular person from his domain and sent it so that the entire thing starts off the whole cycle starts off <coughs> now the part called lust enters only into the picture if there are all these essential characteristics involved in it otherwise it doesn't enter we have our senses the eyes the ears if you have noticed in this chapter what is it that the main character is looking at with his eyes he is watching this lady okay with his ears he is listening to the tinkling sound so all his senses are at play so always the thing which is called lust will begin with the senses the slippage happens with the senses first first it is the sense organs that are there like eyes ears nose and so on and so forth and then with the organs of action so first it's the sense organs which observe hear smell taste touch then after that the next thing happens with the sense organs of action and all these things put together cre- has created nine children and the nine children have been given different different kingdoms in jambudvipa all right now jambudvipa is like i said to you in the beginning it's an imaginary type of a place imaginary in nature you can say whether it exists or not today we cannot say but today because the whole universe has changed the universe the entire earth has changed in such a way that where there was water now the water doesn't exist over there there is land over there where there was mountains now there are very deep seas and where there are deep seas there are mountains over there so all these changes have happened over a period of time there are deserts where there was lot of arid land over there and where there is arid land then now the deserts have come up this entire earth keeps on changing all the time and that is the reason yeah these are demographic changes which have happened and they are they will continue to happen they will continue to happen in the next millennia also some definite changes are going to be there you will find that it is predicted in most of our holy texts what are the things that are going to change so anyway coming back to the story you will find that these nine places exist now what are these places 
these are places which are named after the children now who are the children if you go back you will understand that they are named in a very peculiar manner kimpursha one of the names kimpursha is 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 a half man and a half bird animal type of a creature it's a creature it's not a human being again harivarsha is there hiranmay is there kuru now you will remember kuru the name must have come hmm is coming from a dynasty so you will find that all these people existed way back in time so that we can take the future the future from this point where we have started from there the future stories will start so again you will find that there are names of the wives that they are having they are pratirupa ugradamistri lata ramya so on and so forth they will be the mothers of their clans so if you go back again in time you will find that we have lineages or this yuga which yuga the story is happening the story is being told at the beginning of kali yuga kali yuga has just begun the story is being told at that point in time now the sage is telling the story to parikshit sukhdev and this story is being recited by somebody else now if you go backwards in time vyasdev had written this okay told it to his son he is reciting the whole thing when was this happening this was happening if and now those who have joined earlier will tell you that we are talking about the manu manu had the children and uh, this is just the third generation we are talking about from manu's time and it is the first manu that we are talking about so you can imagine how many manus have gone by and now we have so many things which have happened so now this is the third generation the first generation was manu who had a son then he now he had the son is having another son okay like that we are proceeding now this particular part is now all these boys have come in all these women who have come into the picture last 9 9 this is the fourth generation which has started all right so till the time it was the king that is agnidhara it was the third generation now we have come to the fourth generation now let us see we will move further ahead all right so now i shall continue with the next chapter so we are doing chapter 3 Rishabh Dev's appearance in the wombs of Meru Devi, the wife of the king Nabi. Sukhdev Goswami continued to speak. Maharaj Nabi, the son of Agnidhara, wished to have sons, and therefore he attentively began to offer prayers and worship Krishna, that is Lord Vishnu himself, which is supreme personality of Godhead, the master and the enjoyer of all sacrifices. Maharaj Nabi's wife Meru Devi who had not given birth to any children at that time also worshiped Lord Vishnu along with her husband In the performance of a sacrifice there are seven transcendental means to obtain the mercy of supreme personality of godhead uh, these are the seven steps that are needed 
what are the things that you are supposed to do see when you are doing any kind of prayer or sacrifice what are the things that we are supposed to do and how it is to be done this is the prescription so just follow this the first one is by sacrificing valuable things or eatables what are the valuable things that you want to give and the eatables those are good stuff that we eat that is the thing that we are supposed to do by acting in terms of place place location where are you located now suppose you are located in the desert you can't offer something you know which what is most important ingredient in the desert is water isn't it water and those things which are appearing in the desert dates and all those things dates are very important for uh, for our prayers also I and mean, those who know how prayers are done dates are also a form of an offering and this is given in the desert now if you are there in a very arid region there is a different kind of a thing that you need to offer so depending on the place third is by acting in terms of time the timing has to be perfect you will find that the if the timing is wrong everything can go wrong all right why is timing so important the ascendancy of the sun the descendancy then the lunar cycles are important why now today if you go scientifically again you will find that the lunar cycle is important because they are drawing the tides and so on and so forth see these are very important things timing is essentially important so the third thing is time offering hymns hymns are very very important if you if you see if the movie doesn't have any any uh, any songs and dance you know i'm sorry nobody will want to watch it except maybe those who want to see the story but if there are songs and dances yes of course we would love to see the film more and more and hear the songs later on again isn't it so hymns are very very important so this is nothing but we are we are replicating the whole thing what has happened then we are replicating it today everything is the same whatever we have done in the past is also there in the present as well but it is slightly different adapting today's uh, you know techniques and all that by going through the priest somebody has to officiate isn't it as if we know we don't know so we need some technology expert isn't it so cto is required so is the same way over here who is the technology officer over here the priest who is going to perform by offering gifts to the priest you better offer gifts to the priest okay if you don't then you are going to get into big trouble see they are the ones who know the mantra and all that so when they are offering when you are doing some prayers they will be officiating over there and they will be saying certain words which are very very important by observing the regulative principle what are the regulative principles there are certain regulative principles we are, again what are the regulative principles if you ask me when there are elders you have to respect the elders you cannot just you know start from some person you have to go like if you if when the prayers are starting at home you will find that first they will give one nariyal and all that and they will ask you to go and meet the grandfather or somebody in the house who is who is quite an elderly person grandfather grandmother go and touch their feet and now you now you go and touch your parents feet and after that this one and we have a system over there now you will wonder you know why not go and my friends are standing over there if i go and touch their feet maybe you know thoda maska marega ya boss rahega usko 
there are some principles that we need to follow so that is why they are called regulative principle regulative principle means we have to first offer water okay if you go anywhere if you first need to offer water yeah it's a protocol if you why is water offered first you have to wash your hands feet and all that and then later on drink it there's a pro- process that is there okay so they will also ask you to drink isn't it so there is a process that is involved they have to follow a particular protocol a particular methodology however one cannot always obtain the supreme lord through this paraphernalia nonetheless the lord is affectionate to his devotee therefore when maharaj nabi who was devotee worshiped and offered prayers to the lord with great faith and devotion remember everything starts with the word faith isn't it so here yeah. when he offered with faith and devotion with a pure uncontaminated mind superficially performing some yagna in the line of pravarga the kind supreme personality of god due to the affection of his devotee appeared before king nabi in his unconquerable and captivating form with four hands in this way to fulfill the desire of the devotee the supreme personality of god had manifested himself in his beautiful body before his devotee this body pleases the mind and the eye of the devotee now you will ask even today i do all those prayers i am also a fa- i have faith i have devotion and yet the lord doesn't appear in front of me why is it why is the partiality we are going back in time everybody is sattvic in nature hmm today even the ghee that you get no is not sattvic they put the essence of the ghee in it so that it smells nice just a few days ago i was telling someone how this ghee preparation happens the kinds of cows and the buffaloes that are put over there they have to be sattvic in nature first today what are we giving them we are giving them hormones we are giving them injections so that they give more milk in ancient times all this was pure absolutely clean neat absolutely perfect today even the milk that we get is adulterated contaminated it has got a lot of stuff which is not healthy for us but in ancient times just imagine this is during the first yuga that is krita or what we call as a satyuga satyuga everything was true satya everything was true there was nothing fake at that point in time so everything that you got was true so at that time even if you prayed with your heart to the lord the lord would stand in front of you and what was it that sri krishna only demands he is saying faith surrender love and devotion beyond that is he asking you for anything else but that is the, the most difficult part isn't it <laughs> the faith love and devotion is the most toughest part today but this is what is required even if you do not follow the protocol that we have you know all those seven steps that we mentioned just now even if the steps are not followed you only pray with faith and devotion and the lord will stand in front of you provided you have clear very clean heart see the line over here those who the devotee offered and prayer worship prayers offered prayers to the lord with great faith and devotion and with a pure uncontaminated mind now today that is the toughest part in our world to have an uncontaminated mind so first we need to clean the mind first okay so we'll go 
Lord Vishnu appeared before King Nabi with four arms. He was very bright and he appeared to be the best of all personalities. Around the lower portion of his body, he wore a yellow silken garment. On his chest was the mark of Srivatsa, which is always displays beauty. That is the white hair. Srivatsa is white hair. He carried a conch shell, lotus flowers, disc and club. And he wore a garland of forest flowers and the kaustub gems. He was beautifully decorated with a helmet. Helmet means not helmet. <laughs> that is the crown, not helmet. But you have to say helmet over here. <laughs> so it's a crown. Okay, earrings, bangle, belt, pearl necklaces, armlets, ankle belts, and other bodily ornaments bedecked with radiant jewels. Seeing the Lord present before them, King Nabi and his priests and associates felt just like poor people who have suddenly attained great riches. They received the Lord and respectfully bent their heads and offered Him things in worship. The priest began to offer prayers to the Lord saying, O most worshipable one, we are simply your servants. Although you are full of yourself, please out of your causeless mercy accept a little service from us. Your eternal servants, we are not actually aware of your transcendental form, but we can simply offer our respectful obeisance again and again as instructed by the Vedic literatures and the authorized Acharyas. Materialistic living entities are very much attracted to the modes of material nature and therefore they are never perfect. But you are above the jurisdiction of all the material conceptions. Your name, form and qualities are all transcendental and beyond the conception of experimental knowledge. Indeed, who can conceive of you? In the material world, we can perceive only material names and qualities. We have no other power than to offer our respectful obeisance and prayer unto you, the transcendental person. The chanting of your auspicious transcendental qualities will wipe out the sins of all mankind. That is the most auspicious activity for us and we can thus partially understand your supernatural position. Here they have given a technique of how things can be done. What is it that you need to do? Praising the Lord. Again, if you go to the Bible, isn't it the first thing that they say? Praise the Lord, isn't it? So here also it's the same thing. Praise the Lord. How do you praise him? First you describe his qualities. How beautiful he looks. What is it that he is wearing? What kind of garments he has? It is nothing but, you know, even in our normal day-to-day life also, we all, don't we meet somebody and we say, Oh, you are wearing a very nice clothes. Are they from here or are they from there? Hmm. Isn't it what is required? Even during the wedding also, don't we go and buy some fancy, very beautiful clothes? Yes, there is a wedding uh, designer who will design some nice clothes for us. Isn't it? So here, the wedding gown is so beautiful. Again, in uh, one of the things that we saw recently, the lehenga, that is important, costing 5 lakh of rupees. Hey, you have to go and get that kind of a stuff. Why? Because garments are important. Describing the person is important. So here you will find slowly, slowly they have described the whole thing. So even in our prayers, even when we pray, we need to describe the person in this manner. First the external position, then the face, then you come down and then you observe the entire body of that person. 
so here the lord is praised like that all the people over there are praising the lord the the prayers the what are the, what are the prayers the prayers are nothing but praise to the lord beyond that there is nothing if you see how it is it is going about saying how beautiful you are how kind you are how great you are how nice you are you have such grandeur you have such glory you are so powerful all these things are nothing but a kind of prayers you can you can string all these kind of words and make a prayer a beautiful prayer and if you go to the prayer you will find these are the things that are mentioned over there hmm so what is it that is being said materialistic living entities are very much attracted by the modes of material nature therefore they are never perfect why are the material beings not perfect because we are running after material things only right the material beings material beings that's physical entities are all material beings we have the panchabhutas they have defined us we are going back to them isn't it again over here what is happening we have our trigunas also we are defined by our gunas we are defined by everything so our characteristics are perishable but the lord's characteristics are not because he is not built from the material nature isn't it he is not maya's creation we are talking about krishna krishna is not maya's creation maya is created by krishna only so you cannot have the creator create something and the creation is going to create the creator i'm sorry this became more complicated <laughs> okay that means the creator has created something and that which has been created cannot create the creator right so please understand the material nature is created by the lord and the description of the lord can only be done which is in absolute purity we cannot say it's a contaminated type of a description so material nature describes material kind of beings and what are the what kind of conception will you have about material beings you cannot apply the same principles to the divine the divine the name and the form also is perfect name see our names have so many distractions you know uh, contortions think about it ha huh? we do not have one single name in in a straight line just think about our, the the kind of names that we have you you try to take out one name you know that person it's completely a distorted name hmm now how many kinds of names are there the way we do uchcharana uchcharana means the way we we say the words the name keeps on changing if there is a lisp in a word the name changes if you go to eastern india the name changes if you go to western world you, the name changes you go to north and you go to south everything changes and addition of a's and b's and all those external right double a's i don't know why double a's are there but still when you go to one place so their names are distortion whereas the divine name think about it is one only it is never distorted krishna okay and today when we see the same name and a krishna and so on and so forth <laughs> so we have gone and distorted the name further and further but original is the same so the first person that is individual that is god almighty his name is perfect 
again his form is perfect because from his form everything has come out so his form better be perfect isn't it so that is why the name the forms are absolutely perfect qualities he better have all the qualities sarva gun sampanna isn't it see if i have to give some gunas to the next person that person i better have them with me isn't it then only i can give so the lord the divine lord is sarva gun sampanna that means he has got all the qualities that are there then beyond the conception of experimental knowledge we keep on thinking oh he must be like this he must be like that no no he is not experimental he cannot think of uh, like that you know like a very uh, visualization and then you do no he is perfect he is there in his place so like that we have to understand his position in this world o supreme lord you are full in every respect you are certainly very satisfied when your devotees offer your prayers with faltering voices and in ecstasy bring you tulsi leaves water twigs bearing new leaves and newly grown grass this surely makes you satisfied so these are certain offerings that are given to the lord what else can we offer think about it as olden times what is it that you could offer first it would be trees plants and all those kind of things isn't it flowers fruits trees yes those are the things a man would offer in the past after that he did all the mining possible then he offered gold jewelry and all those things if you go down the yuga all these things were offered in a different different fashion yeah mind also we have engaged in your worship with many things and have offered sacrifices unto you but we think there is no need for so many arrangements to please your lordship all of my life's goals and opulences are directly self sufficient unceasingly and unlimitedly increasing in you at every moment indeed your unlimited enjoyment and bliss existence itself satchidananda isn't it that that is what describes the lord so the lord is full of everything that is needed so he is sat chit and ananda also as far as we are concerned o lord we are always after material enjoyment which is a which is very true you do not need all these sacrificial arrangements but they are meant for us so that we may be benedicted by your lordship all these sacrifices are performed for our fruitive results and they are not actually needed by you the lord actually doesn't need all those kinds of things yet why are people doing it so that we get the benefit of it remember we are all supposed we are we are, we are creatures who are interested in our personal benefits because we are interested in our personal benefits we offer things to the lord remember it's at 1 is to 10 ratio or 1 is to 100 ratio okay if i offer him one fruit he is going to give me 100 fruits what so <laughs> it's a yeah, whatever so you can't pray you can't blame him for things like that if you blame him once no 100 blames will come on you so don't go <laughs> blame him like that so first and foremost you have to understand why are we offering we offer a little to him so that we get 100 times or 1000 times it depends you know what ratio you are coming up with you can come up with whatever ratio that you want 1 is to 10 1 is to 100 1 is to 1000 all ratios allowed so we'll do till 10 and stop all right 
O Lord of Lords, we are completely ignorant of the execution of dharma, earth, calm and moksha, the process of liberation, because we do not actually know the goal of life. You have appeared personally before us like a person soliciting worship. But actually you are present here just so that we can see you. You have come out of your abundant and causeless mercy in order to serve our purpose or interest and give us benefit of your personal glory called Apvarga, liberation. You have come although you are not properly worshipped by us due to our ignorance. Uh, these are the pardons that we need to ask. You see, when we are doing certain activities, we forget certain things. What do we forget? Sometimes we forget to give water. Sometimes we forget to give food. Sometimes we forget to even praise the person. Sometimes we forget to even touch the feet. You know all these are things. And we need to be forgiven for that. So first we have to ask for pardon. So everything wrong that we do, please pardon us for all the problems that we might have caused in our world. Okay, by we may not have welcomed you properly, we may not have offered you seed properly, we may have not offered you tulsi leaves which are not clean. Correct or no? So there are so many things which might have gone wrong. So kindly pardon our ignorance. You are here not because you want those things. See, you think the Lord wants as if he is going now the Lord and the master of the universe is the owner of all the golds and jewels in the world. So you think he is going to run after that coin or diamond or some such thing. Why should he bother? Yeah, in one of the stories, uh, the, the person says to him, Oh, you are such a crooked character. You, you want my gem. That is why you are trying to rob me. The name of the gem is Shamantaka. Okay? <laughs> Shamantaka. Shamantaka is a gem. Okay? And this gem was lost by that person. Satyabhama's father, Satyavrat, and Satyavrat blames Krishna, you are the crooked fellow who is trying to run after my gem. Why should he bother about it? No, he is doing a story over there. So when he runs after the gem, actually he is trying to search for the gem. Okay? Satyavrat's brother gets killed in the way. There is one person, one creature sort of. He kills him. And this is the person who was there from the time of Sri Ram. Alright? A long story. <laughs> so he marries his daughter as well. And he marries Yaya. Jambavati is the one of the da- daughter. Yes. So, Jambavan is the creature from the earlier Yuga. From Treta. And now he is there in the Dwapara. So, when, he is, when Krishna is searching for the gem, he meets Jambavan, fights with him, shows, proves to him who he is. Finally, Jambavan recognizes the Lord, offers his daughter, that is Jambavati. Alright? Jambavati's son is responsible for the big problem that happened to the end of the yoga. Okay? End of that race. His name is Samba. Okay, Samba is the one who goes and plays, enacts that play where he says, I am pregnant. I, I know, don't look blank, this is a story. It's an ongoing story, we'll, there will be stories within stories within stories, okay? So, we will, we'll, don't worry about all these things. So, 
so the personal glory why does he come he is not going over there to get your silly stuff okay he is coming over there you think he likes tulsi so much he loves to eat tulsi leaves and that is why he is going to come to you no or you think he loves one one kevada and one mogara and something like that that's why he is going to come to you you have to offer it with love he will come to you because he loves his devotee the most that is why he comes to you all right so that is what is mentioned over here you are present here just so that we can see you you have come here out of your abundant and causeless mercy in order to serve our purpose our interest and give us benefit of your personal glory called apurva that is liberation when we see the lord in front of us we get liberated you have come although you are not properly worshiped by us due to our ignorance so we will do this last line now oh most worshipable of all you are the best of all benefactors and your appearance as saint licking nabi sacrificial arena is meant for our benediction because you have seen by us you have bestowed upon us the most valuable benediction by just being in the austere company of yours we feel so blessed that is the reason why when we go to the temple or the churches we feel so happy being in the company of the lord over there and that is what they are talking about so we will stop over here all right we shall continue on that tomorrow